it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out here and available to our students. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Yeah. Here's your host, Danita Bailey. Welcome to the first episode of season two of School Dazed, Help for Moms and Dads of School-Aged Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. My trusty co-host, David, is unfortunately back at school after a long Christmas break. But if you're listening, Dave, happy one-year anniversary. We're popping some imaginary bubbly just for you in the studio. Actually, he'd really rather have Coke. <laughs> and thank you to our listeners who have been with us since January of last year and for the new ones who have just found us. We hope you've been helped by our show and we plan to continue sitting down with experts that will help us all on our journey of nurturing our kids to academic and life success. Well, on with the show. Some say that character is the way we behave when no one is looking. We can't be with our kids 24-7 and we hope when we pray that the investment we've made in our kids pays off when it counts the most, when the rubber meets the road. Some schools incorporate character education into their curriculum because they know that it not only impacts academics, but it impacts how we get along in life. Some learn the hard way the lack, that lack of character can easily destroy what we've so carefully built. Our guest today has written a book that focuses on character development called Quest of the Keys that has been read by thousands of middle and high school students across the country. It takes kids on a fantasy adventure in which the characters search for keys that unlock the doors to success. Let's take a listen. The name's Hadrian. Give me three weeks of labor and we'll call it even. After that, we'll pay you handsomely for your work. Like many others, Declan had heard stories of others getting rich in the mines. There were rumors, of course, of things taking place deep in the mountains, dark, things. But they were in the same category as the giant wolves of the Great North Wood or the fabled mushrooms of immortality. No one took them seriously. Declan had burned up his inheritance money, which he demanded from his father soon after his mother's death and just before he left for Argyros, and he could not bear to return home to Leoness empty-handed. Before we go any further, let me just say that it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag School Days Show and hashtag I Am School Days. And also, we want you to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 214-444-5575. And if you're live with us on Facebook, thanks for watching with us. You can drop us a question there, there and we will do our very best to answer it. So without further ado, let me in, uh, introduce our guest for today. Scotty Sanders was first a CEO of a multi-million dollar startup and later for a nonprofit organization with over 150 employees and 7,000 members. 
Scotty has been recognized as the Louisiana Entrepreneur of the Year, Chamber of Commerce Business Person of the Year, and noted in trade magazines for his success in the business world. He is also certified by Ritz-Carlton on excellence in customer service. Scotty is sought after as a speaker and trainer, and he's traveled both nationally and internationally, presenting to businesses ranging from Fortune 500 companies, large nonprofits, and statewide organizations, to school systems, hospitals, and churches. At every level, Scotty's speaking, Scotty's speaking is passionate, relevant, and challenging. I can attest to that. Scotty has authored several books, as well as leadership resources, training materials, and published articles. He and his wife, Cindy, live near Dallas, Texas. So thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you, Danita. Yeah, so a little, little background, actually. Um, Scotty and I, and Dave and I know each other from kind of way back um, uh, at Valley Creek Church. You yes. were the executive pastor? Correct. Yeah, and so David was on staff there for a little while and we uh, got to hang out a little bit, right? We did. Yeah. So uh, thanks so much for coming. Um, when I thought of character development, I immediately thought of your series and uh, the books that you've written and uh, wanted to have you on the show. And so I'm glad that you were able to join well, us. Well, thank you for thinking of me and I appreciate the opportunity to share today. So thank you. Yeah. So tell us, why did you develop Quest of the Keys? Well, I've always had a heart for helping uh, individuals to understand that their life is can be of significance, can make a difference in the world. In fact, my wife and I started a neighborhood, somewhat of a ministry, uh, back when we lived in Louisiana to help kids that were, you know, disenfranchised, under-resourced. And we'd do that every Saturday for years and years and years. We raised our kids in that. So we've always had a heart for somewhat of the downtrodden. How can we encourage them? How can we empower them? And many kids, they really are just typical kids. They may not have the support at homes that some children have, the benefit of that. So we thought, well, how can we in some ways invest in them and encourage them and challenge them to them to grow personally? So that seed has always been in there to really help kids to learn that they can make a difference in the world, but it starts with changing their world. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you want to be a world changer, start with changing your world. Right. And so, uh, you know, over the years as I've had an opportunity to work in, you know, corporate environments, school environments, one of my clients early on when I started my consulting firm about 12 years ago was one of the largest charter school systems in Texas. And I focus mainly on helping their C-level leaders, I call it, in leadership development. Mm -hmm. But periodically, I would do you know, school events for them, training of the principals and so forth. And so I'd get into a number of their schools. And you know, one of the things I realized, they would have some character education posters up and I would ask the principal or ask teachers, well, how's that working out for you? And they'd always kind of give me that <laughs> little bit of a, a wink, like, yeah, we don't really use it. <laughs> oh, no. You know, so it's like they, they understood it was something needed but it just did not resonate with the kids. Right. And so, I don't know, maybe I was just naive enough, bold enough or whatever. So I talked to the CEO of this charter school system. I said, hey, would you be interested, consider, if I were to write a character education curriculum book that would teach in story form, but take some of the things I've taught your organization, taught Fortune 500 companies that I really think could make a difference in kids' lives, and would you be willing to, you know, be an incubator for that, a pilot, if you would? 
And I think he agreed to do it, Danita, thinking I would never follow through, <laughs> but he didn't know me well enough. <laughs> so I think it was about 14 months later, I showed up with my Quest of the Keys book and said, it's done. And we start working on curriculum. And so they became the pilot and incubator for that. So we had hundreds of students got to go through that. But it really started out to me what I saw as an opportunity and a need that how could we teach character education in a fresh relevant, innovative, creative way that kids can learn in a story form approach. You know, Mm -hmm. we just look at popular culture and it tells you that's how kids learn a lot today. So that's really how it started. And I was very fortunate because the CEO of that organization followed through on his commitment, allowed me to do it. And that was the first group of schools. And it ended up now we're, you know, we've helped over 100,000 students in 33 states. Wow. How did you know about, so you've written several books about leadership development and things like that, uh, that are nonfiction. How did you know how to write fiction? Well, to, uh, to, for complete transparency, I was really out of my depth on that. Again, I had a lot of the story ideas, a lot of the characters come from people in my family that I think of this, this particular character represents this particular person. But but I really used a team approach. So it really kind of follows my whole leadership bent is about, it's not so much about, a leader is not so much about you, it's your ability to pour in and develop others. So I built a team that involved a PhD literature expert at North Texas University, my creative director, his daughter, who's a writer that happened to be 19 year old female. So she gave a perspective and also my wife was involved in that. So we had a writing team of five people Uh, and it was one of the most fun and challenging experiences to do a book in fantasy fiction that we did it in a very collaborative type way. Now I kind of had the vision, I had the parameters, but to get the dialogue just right at that level, the way we wanted it, it was way beyond honestly my ability. Mm -hmm. So we had to work as a team to get that done. Mm -hmm. And I think it turned out pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about the book. So, uh, again, uh, it, it takes these concepts and ideas and puts it in the story form. So really the main thing, and you can read the back of the book and you can kind of read the synopsis that comes from our publisher. But how I think about it is about this young man that really kind of had had life, he thought, figured out. You know, he was he was the elder son and he was somewhat known and he had a lot of entitlements and stuff, but some tragedy happened in his life. His mother passed away somewhat unexpectedly. And so he started blaming others on that. He got upset with his dad and all he wanted now, give me what's due to me, my inheritance. I'm gonna go and live in this world and do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, over a period of time, he ended up losing everything and he comes to his senses and realize he basically ended up as a slave in the Mika silver mines. And he came to his senses and realized he needed to escape and get back home. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to go go back now and help rescue all the others that were in the in the cave. So he went on this quest to discover these keys that would transform his life. But he really had to come to his senses, if you will, and realize that he was on the wrong path and he had to get on the correct path. So it's a story of his journey, discover these eight keys that really transform his life to rather than being selfish and self-absorbed and thinking about himself, now he started seeing people in a different light. Life wasn't about him, but it's about how he could help others. All right, I love that. So the book talks about eight traits or values. Uh, so let's j- just tell us kind of what those eight are. Sure, and we break them down and really into two different pieces. And we, we refer to it a little bit of our success framework, but success is not what a lot of people think about success. Some right. people think about success is, you know, how much money can I make? 
what kind of material things I can have. I don't look at success that way at all. We look at it differently about what kind of impact can you have on others in this world? That is how you really measure, to me, a person's success. Mm -hmm. And I help people to lead well so they can serve more people is really the thing. But we break this down, the eight, we call them their character development traits would be four or what we call the intrinsic things that are internal for you. For one, we want to help students and individuals to help discover what their purpose is in life. Another one would be that they live with passion. Every day is a gift and we need to live it fully with passion. A third one would be we're all, we all have a certain amount of potential in our life. The key thing is how do we unlock that potential and then we can unleash it on the world. And then the fourth one would be how do we improve persistence? Life is full of challenges. There's going to be difficulties. How do you persist when difficulties come. So those mm -hmm. are the intrinsic things that we want to cultivate, if you will, in individuals. And then we have the four extrinsic characteristics that would be, one would be problem solving. How can we help people to learn? You know, life is full of problems and problems are all solvable. You just have to be willing to learn how to solve problems. Right. So that's your mindset. Another one would be advanced planning. I see this happen all the time. People operate in the moment, their last minute, and they wonder why things don't go well. Mm -hmm. So learning some basic things about how to plan in advance, how to not be surprised and be in crisis mode all the time. Mm -hmm. So that would be one of those. Another one would be setting priorities. Priorities are important because it's what's important in your life. And so making sure you always focus on doing the most important things first, and then you get the most important things done first. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth one is just good people skills. And we've lost that today of oh, really gosh. how to relate to people, how to listen well, how to show empathy, uh -huh. you know, how to ask good questions. So those are the extrinsic, external things that we try to help young people and adults learn to do in a better way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, I want to go through just a couple of these traits and ask you kind of how to uh, give, give us parents some idea about how to instill these things. So the first one, um, passion or no no pa actually but let's let's put a pin in passion real quick yeah. a lot of peas here <laughs> purpose so we talked a little bit about that and you know just the importance of purpose so why did you want to include that and why is that important well to me you know once a person knows what their purpose is or at least they're pursuing that it gives them tremendous direction for their life and i believe that every person was created on purpose for a purpose mm -hmm. so the thing is you need to figure out what your purpose is see for me is to encourage and empower others to live, lead, and to finish well. And so I discovered my purpose really over a period of time through events, things that I enjoy doing, things that maybe I've failed at. And I'd like to just tell a quick story. You know, sometimes I can tell it, there's 10 minutes, I'll try to do the two minute version. But when I was in the ninth grade, you know, I grew up in a family that we played sports. I had three brothers, were super competitive. If it was a ball involved, we did it. But something unusual and different happened in the ninth grade. I went out for the basketball team, just like I'd done every year before. But this year I got cut from the basketball team. And it was very devastating to me because my life was wrapped around playing sports. And all of a sudden, all my buddies are going off to practice and I'm catching the bus and going home, you know. But then something really unusual happened. A couple weeks after that, the head basketball coach, he brings me into his office and he wants to meet with me which I thought was kind of odd, you know, and he begins to tell me, so Scotty, the reason we cut you from the basketball team is that you're not a real good player. Now I'm like, <laughs> why are you, why are you telling me that? It's obvious you didn't think I was good enough. You cut me. He said, you don't tend to, you know, shoot well, <clears throat> you don't dribble, you don't rebound. You're just not a real good player. 
But as I've been watching our team practice over the last couple of weeks, is that it's just been terrible. No hustle, no focus, no discipline. So I talked to a couple of our main players. I said, guys, what's going on? Why are you not practicing well? And they said to me, coach, we need Scotty back on the basketball team. And I told them the same thing I told you. He's not a good basketball player. And they told me, Scotty, that we need him back on the team, not because he's a good player, but because he makes the rest of us better, Coach. He's our leader. He challenges. He encourages us. So this coach asked, he says, so Scotty, would you be willing to come back on the team with the understanding you will probably never play in a game? I'll expect (laughs) you to be at every practice and work harder than anybody else. Now, probably to his surprise, I agreed to do it. Right. You know, now it'd be a great story, Denise, if I told you I grew a foot, I developed a jump shot, I became the star. <laughs> but to his word, I did not play in a game till the last game of the year. But here's the thing. I could have been really disappointed had I thought my purpose was to be the star. Right. But my purpose was to make everybody else on the team better. With that experience, as difficult as it was, it gave me insight into my purpose in life. And that is really, I'm not the hero. I'm the God. I'm here to encourage and empower others so they can live, lead, and finish well. Mm -hmm. So it's given me tremendous focus and direction for my life. So I made a decision to come on your show because it fits within my purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because hopefully your audience, I get to encourage them and empower them to live, lead, and finish well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's a much better skill to have than necessarily paying, playing basketball because right. your chances of making it into the yeah. NBA are pretty low. Well, I can do my purpose for the rest of my life as yes. long as I'm on this earth. Yes, in any capacity too, yes, absolutely. Sure. Um, passion, let's get back to passion. And what are some ways that we can foster that? So that's not, that's not something that you can teach. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, I I do believe that passion is contagious. Uh You know, I tend to like to be around people that have that passionate spirit in them. I don't want to be around a Debbie Downer all the time Mm -hmm. that's negative and a bad attitude. So I want to be around people that are passionate about what they do. And I've even had people say to me after they've heard me do a keynote speak for some event, and they may even say, well, Scotty, I don't necessarily agree with everything you had to say, but one thing I didn't question was your passion. Mm -hmm. You believe in what you're speaking on. So you want to bring that to the table. But here's the thing. And and to me, one of the things that's really sad in life is to see people work at a job for 40 years or even 50 years and they don't even enjoy doing it. You know what I'm saying? Happens all the time. That that happens all the time. What if you could find something you love to do Mm -hmm. and you happen to be paid to do it? But here's my here's what my experience has been. If you're passionate about something, your income's going to tend to go up if you get Mm -hmm. to do that because it comes easy for you. You think about it. It consumes your thoughts. But even if you have a job that you're not crazy about, it's just the way it is, you can still take your passion to whatever you do in life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's a choice that you make. And I always look at, you know, one of the things I do every day, I write down, I have something I call my three by five plan. So I basically put my daily plan down on this simple card. But one of the things that I write down are the three things that I'm passionate about. Okay. And that is I'm passionate about learning. I'm passionate about developing leaders and I'm passionate about the next generation. So I write this down as to engage my reticular activity system to say, am I focusing on the things that I'm most mm-hmm. most passionate about? Mm-hmm. And so I spend more time focusing on the things that really get me excited about life and even make me cry at times because I have a burden about that situation. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a piece of passion. Mm-hmm. Um, so with <clears throat> kids, you know, they spend a lot of time in school doing a lot of things sometimes yep. that they're not passionate about. So is there a character trait that you teach in the book that can help them to uh, not have to always be doing your passion 
And sometimes we, we have to just kind of do what needs right. to be done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I think sometimes in school, you know, listen, I, I got my master's degree and it was almost like it was going to take forever. I had to definitely tap into persistence on that. Sometimes yeah. I had to just push through it a day at a time to get through this paper, this project or whatever it may be, study for a test. I mean, none of us really love to do that, you mm -hmm. can say. Mm -hmm. But you had to have the bigger picture in mind. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That what is this going to result to? And that would be that another key would be part of learning the academic side is how it unlocks the potential in your life. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. I turned 60 just a couple of months ago. I'm more excited about this next year than any year leading up to that because I've worked hard all of these years to learn and to develop and really to unlock my potential. So in 2020, I'm unleashing my potential in a greater way. So if you can step back and look at your life in a bigger picture framework and say, what I do day in and day out, week by week in the school year is building for the future mm -hmm. that I can make a greater difference on the world. It just change your perspective, how you look at things. Mm -hmm. But if you just look at it as just a checking the box, I've got to get a grade to get through versus the learning opportunity and how if you're a learner and a lifelong committed learner, man, longevity is a big benefit for mm -hmm. you in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a scary thing to think about, though, when you're uh, when you're uh, nine it's, years old, it's lifelong hard. It's, learning. It's, it's hard <laughs> to hear that. But sometimes even parents explaining to their kids. I, again, this is not a negativity toward my parents because they were supportive and encouraging. They gave me so many opportunities. But I don't ever remember them sitting down to me and saying school. The purpose of that is for you to learn so you can be smarter in the future. Uh -huh. it, it just it wasn't it wasn't really communicated. So something as basic as that to help kids understand what's the goal what's the purpose when it comes to the academic side of things right. you know what i'm saying sometimes it's about having friends or playing sports or just get through the next grade for them to understand the bigger purpose behind that yeah. i think it would be a good little tool that don't assume kids at eight years old understand that yeah. they probably don't no they don't i agree um people skills so what's what's a way to um help them to develop those well again i think just less focus on yourself and focus on others. Mm -hmm. So when you have time with people, focus on getting to know them. Ask questions about them. Don't focus so much about talking about yourself, but just getting to learn them. Understand where they come from, that you can show empathy and show true caring to people. You know, learning to listen when you ask questions. And mm -hmm. I have to work at that. That's one of the things that I'm not a natural good listener. I like to talk <laughs> and share, but that's something that I've had to work on because I understand that I need to be a better listener in life. And you know, my wife would say manners never go out of style. Right. That's good people skills. Being polite, being respectful for others. And then focusing again on how can I serve other people? Those are good people skills. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we're working on a partnership, somewhat of a joint venture. It's, uh, who knows it will happen, but it's a very large nonprofit that they've received millions of dollars of federal government grants for STEM uh, STEM resources developing that and especially trying to develop people in cybersecurity because there's a big void in people that are trained in cybersecurity. But they've come to us about partnering with them because of what they've realized. It doesn't matter if they got the science down and the math down. If they don't have character to go along with that, these people won't even be able to get a yeah. job. You know what I'm saying? They may yeah. be smart, but they don't have that emotional, social piece that they need mm -hmm. of being caring and being responsible in that too. Right. And making sure you 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 uh, under promise and over deliver with people yeah. that people can count on you. Yeah, yeah, that's important. Do you think that character is subjective? 
what you know, factors kind of go into what, what character actually looks like? Yeah, you know, I do think it's subjective. Everybody's got their own views about that. But, you know, character is one of those things that, you know, it's hard to it's hard to measure character. But here's the thing, you know, we can we don't get to choose our circumstances in life. Right. We don't get to choose that. But what we can choose is our thoughts. We can choose our attitude and we can choose our actions. You know what I'm saying? So don't let your circumstances hold you back and you use that as an excuse because of these circumstances. Because listen, there's some people, and I, I've been around a lot of people that have had been terrible circumstances. I mean, very, very difficult. And I've always had a heart to help people that are under-resourced that need that. But listen, I would rather be a person with terrible circumstances with the right mindset and I can conquer the world versus someone with the greatest circumstances in a defeatist, defeatist mindset, someone that looks at scarcity, someone that looks down at others. You know what I'm saying? So be an overcomer in that. You've got a greater story to tell when you've overcome because your circumstances are not best. So you can choose your thoughts, you can choose your attitude, and you can choose your actions in life. But it really, it becomes that core thing for you. What you think, how your attitude and the decisions you make, that's really up to you. Yeah. And that leads to your character and what you're about, your core, and what you really believe in. Yeah, you know what I was thinking about, I saw a video recently, I think it was on Ellen, the Ellen DeGeneres show, and it was a, a teenager, I feel like he was like maybe 18, no more than 20, and he worked at Chick-fil-A. And you know, sometimes they have the Chick-fil-A people that are outside uh, with the little tablet right. in the drive-through line. And he was recognized because of his way, the way that he, handled customers. So, you know, Chick-fil-A is really good about that anyway. They're yeah. always talking about my pleasure and whatnot, but he would compliment the way that they ordered. Well, that was a really great order and, yep. and thank you so much. And I mean, he went over and above and he couldn't have been again, more than 20 years old. Yeah. And, you know, so often we see a lack of that right. um, in, in younger kids and especially like in fast food places. So um, I just thought that that was interesting that he, he loved his job. He seemed right. like he loved his job and that he was caring about other people right yep. like just what you're saying is he was concerned about the other person and making sure that they had a great day yeah and yeah. he'll carry that on through his life and continue to learn you don't stop there you build on that year in and year out that young man's gonna have a big future ahead of him right he really will be so that it's so important don't don't think about where you've started in life you know you'll continue to grow each year just continue to develop focus more and more on others and more people you serve the better off you'll be in life. And yeah. so focus on doing those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. So you've developed a curriculum with Quest of the Keys. And um, so how do classrooms use the curriculum and kind of what does that entail? So uh, again, we provide, we've got all of our resources now, it's digitized so they can get a digital version of everything that we do. But you know, this for instance, this is our printed material guide, it's about a hundred pages. Okay. And so, you know, one of the things that we try to do because we're a service nonprofit. We serve schools, we serve students. We try to find out from each school that we have an opportunity to work with, how can we provide our resources in a way that works best for them? Mm -hmm. And so we've developed really a multiplicity of curriculum to work within their school. For instance, uh, we have full uh, English language arts curriculum is built into our, our character education curriculum because for some schools, they're not going to carve out a special time for character right. ed. They're just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. So they can teach English language arts, literature, uh, reading, uh, literacy by using our curriculum. Mm -hmm. It's because we've written curriculum in English language arts that they can use 
as with character education. Right. So it's not like you're doing a separate character. Ed. You're doing English language arts, but it happens to have a strong character education component to it. Right. So that's one of the ways we do it. That's not our preference, but we get in more schools by doing that because we've we've met a need, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, in the state of Louisiana, you know, they have some different electives, and so we've actually written curriculum to match up to their electives that the teachers can just basically take its plug and play. They can use this in this particular elective area and use it in character education in their family science area, for instance. Mm -hmm. Their uh, journey to careers. We've done several of those because we work with a lot of schools in Louisiana. Uh, but you know, our preference would be that a school would see, say, listen, this is so important, it's so foundational, we're gonna use it as pure character education and we're going right. to do donate an hour a day toward doing that. But here's the other thing. We, you know, we provide books, we provide uh, all the digital resources, but I even have 10 videos where I teach these eight keys by me. Mm -hmm. So they could actually, they said, listen, I don't know if I'm comfortable enough teaching that. They can have the author, the one that's developed these, actually teach it in their classroom via uh, video. And then I'll speak in probably 15, 20 schools a year. I'll go in and do assemblies for schools for those are you know limited on how many of those I can do, but I do a number of those in schools that I'll go in after they've read the book, I'll do an assembly. In fact, I've got one coming up in a few weeks. A school in Fort Worth, Texas has got 1,200 students that've read the book. I'll go in and speak at their, for the 1,200 students. I'll sign books and, you know, and maybe one of those things for me, I get to be a rock star for a few minutes, I was Danita. Say, are you a I get to now, I get to be a rock star with these students. <laughs> it's so much fun, you know. But I love getting to do that because, in some ways, I love that I love that element that I can I can look these kids in the eye. I can pat them on the back. I can give them a hug. I can sign their book and I can speak over them in positive ways. Mm -hmm. I wish I could scale that more, but I I like to speak in about twenty schools a year in that range and. You know, that's just another way that when you bring Quest of the Keys, you have an opportunity to bring me in. I also do meet the author Skype sessions with schools as well. Nice. I've done that in, I don't know, Indiana, Ohio. I think I did it in Florida, uh, Seattle, Washington. So it's a little harder to travel there, a little bit more difficult for, for me to get there. So we work out where we can do a 30 minute Skype session where the students will be there and they're watching me on video and we'll do a Skype. They can ask me questions doing it that way. Speaking of Skype, we happen to have a call coming in. All right. <laughs> it's funny you should say that. Let's see. So you are on with School Days, help for moms and dads of school age kids. Can you turn down your, um, if you're on Facebook Live, can you turn that down so we're not getting any feedback? Turn down the volume on your computer. Got it. Okay. So who are we speaking to? This is Rondi. Hi, Rondi. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Good. So do you have a question? How can we help you? I do. I was wondering whether any of this curriculum is available for families at home school. It would, uh, it, you can get that and you can go to, uh, Rondi, thank you for your question. Good to hear from you. Uh, you can oh. go to, to org and you can fill out the information. We can let you know how we can make that available to you. But you do that and we'll make sure you get what you need on that, okay? But we do primarily in schools, but we have had some homeschoolers use our curriculum with great success. Awesome. Thank you so much, Scotty. You're welcome. Good to hear from you, Rondi. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Danita. Bye-bye. So you mentioned that sometimes you can get some pushback from schools. 
So what do you do to help them to, because you, you, know, you said that you can incorporate it into ELA, but how do you convince them that character development is something that should be a priority from school? Yeah, and really our approach is, it's not so much we're going out and trying to talk to a lot of schools. We, we promote, we do a lot of referrals. We let schools know what we're doing. And so we don't necessarily get pushback because we only try to go after the schools that have a heart and interest to do this because mm -hmm. it, it's such a big ocean of schools out there and we're not going to try if you're not if this is not important to you we're not going to try to convince you it's important but if you have an interest at all to incorporate what we do into your school curriculum we're going to work with you to figure out what's the best way to do it what mm -hmm. are the opportunities so it's not so much we get pushed back because we typically don't talk to those schools. Okay. It's like, we're not gonna fight that battle with them. But mm -hmm. if a school is interested, we now, how can we serve you? What's the best way for this to work? What are the things you'd like to include? And so we try to custom that to each school. So we have school coordinators that work with schools to make sure we get them what they need. We follow through, we survey, and we try to have a great experience because we want to make sure that when you work with someone on our team, they're exhibiting the eight keys when you work with them. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? We want them to operate that way, that they are serving uh, the school teachers or principals or superintendents. So again, I'm not saying we don't get any pushback at all, because sometimes we may have a conversation with a superintendent. Well, we're not sure, we're scheduled so busy, we've got all mm -hmm. these different requirements, it's hard to do that. And they're just honestly not our ideal schools. Yeah, They're just not. So rather than trying to push toward that, let's work with the ones that are more our ideal schools. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a Quest of the Keys app. So what 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 happens with the Quest of the Keys app? Well, How does that use? A little bit of an update on that. So that's actually on a back burner project. Okay. And the reason it's on back burner, cost and time and just better direction. But another thing's really popped up on our radar over the last two years that's put that on the back burner. We've been working for really about a year and a half now on Quest of the Keys movie project. So we've okay. signed a deal with a movie company. We're working with a producer. We're working with, in fact, we're involved with our third group of writers. We've hired Hollywood writers. And so we're pretty stoked about the movie project. And let me tell you a, a little bit of background on that. Our goal was not to do a movie, but that is a very powerful medium. Absolutely. You know, so we don't want to rule that out. So we've had producers contact us, have an interest because we, we're getting some traction out there. And so, in fact, I talked to part of our writing team uh, this week, and I'm, I can't tell you how stoked I am about the, the script that we're working on. So we've worked with Hollywood writers along with our team, kind of, again, back to that very collaborative approach. And uh, our producer and the media company we're working with, the excitement level's going through the roof because we think we've really hit on some things that can make a big difference. Now, here's the thing. The script will be quite different than the book because... A, a book is different than a movie script right. and what you need to do. But some of the core elements will continue in the movie script in the movie script or in the movie eventually, but it will definitely have a different feel about it. But we just think now that now you can use the videos in schools. We can use that to promote our bigger and better cause as well. Mm -hmm. So so we've taken some big steps to get on the silver screen, but we're excited about the future of that. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that's exciting. And you know, you're gonna be able to get the kids that you might not necessarily get to read a right, book, unfortunately. Sure. Yep. And it might actually make them want to read the book. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we think it will give some benefit and some <clears throat> some flow to the book and getting it out there to more and more schools. We think that will make us, you know, we're, we've got a little bit of a footprint. We think our footprint would definitely increase by doing that. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. So tell us about Guardians of Life. So uh, interesting story behind that, how that started is that 
Um, we had talked to a number of superintendents because we'll get in how, what are some other things we can do to work with you? What are some other things? What are the needs? What are the challenges, challenges you're facing and stuff? And one of the things that we heard uh, from a couple of different superintendents is, you know, we love the Quest material and it's great for middle school and even high school, but man, the earlier we can get with these kids, the mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything we can use for even lower elementary? And so my wife was, again, children's education background for years. She was a children's ministry for many, many years. She's been involved with Quest of the Keys from the very beginning. She helped me to, uh, to found, if you will, Quest as a nonprofit. So I went to Cindy, I said, Cindy, we're getting a lot of requests for lower elementary. Mm -hmm. What would you think about writing a children's book as a prequel to Quest of the Keys? And she looked at me funny to start out with. You know, we've been married over 40 years, so she didn't kick me out of the house, but she, <laughs> we had one of those moments like, what are you what are you talking about here? And I just challenged her to do it. I said, I really think you can do this. You're talented. We'll get a team around you. This isn't going to be on your own. Our creative people will be involved. I'll get you a coach on children's book if we need to. And so we started out doing that. And listen, it's just turned out to be, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Oh, look at that. Uh, so the, the four girls in here represent our four granddaughters. Oh. Okay. So, and, and Cindy has always had good with rhyme and poetry type stuff. So, mm -hmm. so to read the back of this, it says, the city of light glowed with goodness and kindness. One day without warning, darkness invaded the city and the light disappeared. Far, far away in Shadow Village, Mrs. Bell, and here's a picture of Mrs. Bell right here teaching some of the, the kiddos. Uh -huh. Mrs. Bell led her students in rhyme. And here's the rhyme. And this is really, this theme runs through Guardians of Light, but it also runs through Quest of the Keys. Be your best, choose what's right, find your purpose, shine your light. Mm. Be kind to others in every way, and you will change the world one day. Uh, so it's so just a great book. I'm so proud of my wife. And we also developed curriculum to go along with that. Awesome. And really, this is becoming even as popular as Quest of the Keys now. So we've used okay. this in many, many schools. And so now we've got it covered really from kindergarten through about third grade. Our gap is really that fourth and fifth grader, although some schools, fifth graders will use Quest of the Keys, yes. but we go all the way through high school. Okay. Yeah. Tell us what are some activities, and we've talked about a couple of them, but activities like extracurricular, social, different activities that we can involve our kids in that will help them build character. Well, you know, again, sometimes I think we can overthink and overcomplicate activities. So one of the things like with our kids growing up, we always involve them in us helping and serving people. You know, if I had to go visit someone in the hospital, I might bring my son or my daughter with me. If we're yeah. bringing food to somebody, my wife was always great preparing meals. So do, that's an activity. It's not one of those, let's schedule an activity. As you do life, hopefully you're leading by a good example and you're showing more than telling good character that your kids are seeing you do good stuff to help other people. Take your kids with you along that journey. Mm. But, you know, I get to pick up my granddaughters sometimes from school now, so I'll have them. They're in the back seat or whatever, but I'm asking them questions about what they love doing, what's their favorite subject, asking them open ended questions versus just, how did school go today? Good. Mm -hmm. Versus, what did you learn today? Yeah. How do you think you can use that to help people down the road? What are you? hoping to become in the future? What do you think your purpose is? So asking good questions and listen, let them talk. You'll be surprised. But a lot of times we say our kids don't talk because we ask clo you know, closed questions. It's like, mm -hmm. how was your day? Good. 
you know, <laughs> are you happy? No. Versus asking them things that, that stimulates a little bit of that conversation. So I've, I'm big on model life before your kids. Yeah. The greatest leadership principle to me in life is lead yourself well. I think the greatest parenting tip is, you know, uh, live a good life. Let your kids see that. Be a person of your word. Take personal responsibility. Be willing to say you're sorry when you make a mistake, but also let them know you're not perfect. Mm -hmm. You make mistakes. It's okay to do that. But those are things that's really do life as you go. But I would say it's hard to do those things if your relationship with your kids are not good. Mm -hmm. So you guard and you protect your relationships with your kids. It doesn't mean you're not stern at times or you don't have boundaries, but you know, kids can be fragile. So be careful. Make sure you don't get to the place where your kids don't want to talk to you, don't want to be around you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm very fortunate. We have children that are grown that have kids now. They're my best friends. We spend a lot of time. Sometimes they're like, Dad, when are you going to take me out to dinner? Kind of stuff. And, I, you know, maybe that's a little point of pride for me, but I'm pretty proud about that. But the reason I, I'm best friends with my kids as adults is because I was a good parent or tried to be a good parent and not try to be their best friend mm. when they were kids. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we want to be their buddy and we allow them to do things they shouldn't do because we, we're more about making them happy than mm -hmm. setting a good example about what life should be about. Mm -hmm. Now, that it. felt like a little sermonette, I know, Danita, but <laughs> I, I, that's very important it to me. It was good information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're talking to Scotty Sanders. He is an author and speaker and leadership developer. Develop, he's in developer. We'll call them that. <laughs> if you would like to ask a question or make a comment, our phone number is 214-444-5575. How do we as parents teach the importance of character in a world and in a society when a lot of our leaders and public figures are not really being good role models? Yeah, certainly, you know, in the environment we're in now does not help that, but I would say don't use that as an excuse of you not taking your responsibility as a parent seriously, because you still have more more time with them, more influence. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we can overstate, overrate what's happening out there, but it's really more about what's happening within your home and in your relationship. So model it, start showing it at a very, very early age about, you know, even what you say about other people, kids can pick up on. Oh, yeah. Even with all the vitriol out there, and you may want to take a side or whatever, don't go down. Don't let your kids see that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Don't be judgmental. Don't be critical. Try to stay on the positive vein, you know? But also, you know, model what it means to be a good person, a person of integrity, a person that keeps your word. You know, make sure you take, you know, you even uh, communicate about the importance of taking personal responsibility mm -hmm. for your life. Mm -hmm. So, again, it, it definitely complicates things, but I would not use that as an excuse. Well, we just live in an environment. That's just the way it is. No, it's not. You can do something about it. You may have to work a little harder, but you can still do something about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I asked this of one of my friends and she said that it's important that we teach our children that public figures are just what they are. They're right. celebrities, they're yeah. public figures, and we don't really know what their lives are like. No. Uh, we know what the media portrays, good and bad. And what we need to do is focus on people that we know and people that you know we are within arm's reach that we can actually walk with them, like you yeah. were saying, and see their character on a regular basis. And those people are the people that should yes. be our role models because we don't know what these other right. people are doing really. Danita, you said it better than I did, right? And that's that's exactly right. What you said is exactly right, because we really don't know. We think we know, but we don't know. Mm -hmm. But it's the people closest to it can ha 
closest to you that can have the greatest impact. And I call it a little bit of the proximity principle. You have a proximity to your kids. You have the benefit of great influence. The words that come out of your mouth, the action that you have. And you got to make sure that your walk matches your talk as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because one of the things I learned, and my son was definitely this way, that the hypocritical side of things for him was very much a sensitive thing. Mm. And so I didn't have a lot of margin with him on that. If I didn't match my walk with my talk with him, and he would write me off in a heartbeat. And I think mm. kids today, they are a little bit skeptical about things. Yeah. So I think you have to be very, very careful. And, and I go by under promise, over deliver with your kids. Mm-hmm. Don't promise them things that you can't follow through on. So mm-hmm. make sure you keep your word on those things. Yeah, absolutely. So how does parenting style impact the way our kids view character and character development in our kids? Well, again, uh, some of these things are going to sound a little redundant, but I'm going to go back to, you know, as parents, you have a responsibility. One, I think you need to always look at your kids as a gift and a blessing in that. And they're not your they're not people that you can, you know, just not show respect, not uh, value, not appreciate and so forth. So I think there's an under underlying value that you see your kids as you have a responsibility there but you also see them as a blessing. But I think you need to, you need to see that your actions, your words, uh, the decisions you make and so forth, it's not, it's not in a vacuum. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It can have consequences, not only right now, but in the future, because your kids are seeing your bad decisions and, and you not doing things the right way. So I, I think we undervalue. And again, listen, my wife and I got married. I was 19 years old. We started having kids when I'm 22, 23. You know, I didn't have a book to go by much. You know what I'm saying? So you're learning along the way. But, uh, what, but what I figured out pretty quick is that decisions I made, choices I make, that's not just on me now. It impacts my wife. It also will impact my children. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so as individuals, we grow up, we're kind of independent. We do our own things. We make our decisions. But it, when you become a parent, there's a there's a domino effect to that. Yeah. And so you have to weigh that a little bit differently. And sometimes you have to, you know, I, I practice something I call the 10-10-10. Sometimes we make decisions with our kids on how we think our kids are going to feel in the first 10 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Versus thinking about 10 months or 10 years. Mm. So thinking longer term with your kids, I think is important as well. Because a lot of times we'll give in because I don't want them upset with me. I don't Mm -hmm. want them pouting or we're about to go on this trip and they're going to be whining about this, whatever. We make it how they're going to feel in the next 10 minutes versus 10 months or 10 years down the road. So we got to think long term with our kids that, yeah, giving in to them now may make them happy, but that's not going to help them to be a mature adult down the road. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. How can mutual respect, and I really want to know how this even works, honestly. This is a question really for me. (laughs) How can mutual respect between parent and child impact character development? And really more importantly, how does that look? Because we are the authority in their lives and they are required to do what we say. But how, so how does mutual respect really work? Well, I've probably hit on a few of these things already, but I'll reiterate those is one, again, to have mutual respect, there's got to be a relationship there. So mm-hmm. you always want to make sure you guard, but you understand there's roles within that relationship. There's the children's role. There's a parent role. We have a responsibility as parents. You know what I'm saying? We are the authority. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. We don't want to abuse that authority either. Right. You know what I'm saying? And even people in authority, they, they're in a position to serve and to show respect and to care for those that they have you know, I call it span of care approach versus span of control. 
Okay. okay. We want to control, which really is apparent. And even as a leader, I have people that work under me that is not my control that I'm concerned about. It's my care for them. Okay, so it's our children. We want to have a span of care and we do that through mutual respect is listen, I'm going to respect you. But also as part of respecting you is I, I expect you to follow whatever the rules and the guidelines are. And it's perfectly fine to have boundaries within any relationship you have because boundaries are really good for us to have. Mm-hmm. And kids need boundaries. It's like having a fence in the backyard. You have a fence in the backyard to protect from things coming from the outside of getting in there. And you tell your kids you can't go past the fence. That's to help not hurt. And sometimes I think that we can go to extreme where we're, if we think we're too tough, you know, if you don't provide boundaries for your kids, they're going to explore and go beyond those boundaries and put themselves in harm's way. So mm-hmm. you, as a parent, you have a responsibility to do that. Yeah. But, you know, my thing would be always with kids or grandkids is, man, I want to I want to show them respect. I want to show them love. I want to show them care. But I want to have the kind of relationship when I've got to make a tough decision, when I've got to be firm with them. I've got enough relationship capital built up that they're going to respond in a way that's appropriate versus I have no relationship. I never talk to them. I'm just the hammer all mm-hmm, the time. Mm-hmm, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then because there's no relationship there, how do you expect them to respond? Yeah. It's a relationship that it's an engaging, ongoing, caring relationship. And then when you got to make a tough decision, listen, the people I listen to the most and carry the most weight are the ones I feel like care about me the most. Absolutely. So when the kids feel like you care about them the most, they may not like it, but they're going to understand at some mm-hmm. point that mm-hmm. was the right decision. Mm-hmm. My kids tell me today, Dad, I get why you did this back 10 years ago yeah. or 20 years ago. Yeah. They understand it more. Yeah. David actually, you know, he's teaching eighth grade math, right? And he talks about how at the beginning of the year, you know, he was really tough. And, you know, he has a high expectation for his students because mm-hmm. he really cares. And he said that, you know, the kids that he was getting the most backtalk from and difficulty from are the kids that now have been won over and the kids that want to come hang out in his class right. when they're yeah. not even um, there for a class. And he said that it's because they figured out um, Mr. Bailey really cares about us. Right. He really does care that we do well in life, not just that we do well on this test or in the in his class. Yeah. Yeah. That's very important. Well, you know, there are kind of stages in there in, in any relationship. First, people got to get to know you. They got to get to like you. And ultimately for them to do something, they've got to trust you to a certain degree. They got to trust their teacher. They got to trust their parent. Mm -hmm. They don't trust you. They're going to be hard to change on things. Mm -hmm. You know, so a parent can demand it and you may have the right to do that. But when they trust you, they're going to be a lot more willing to change because they trust you that you're out for their good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How do you think that social media has impacted character development these days? Well, no doubt that it's impacted. I mean, to, to say that social media media has not impacted a variety of things, you're, you're, you're just not paying attention. So you can say, well, it shouldn't be that way. Well, it is, so what are we gonna do, do about it? And, and, and it's just like anything else. Social media can be used for good or bad. You know what I'm saying? To me, it's a neutral thing. Mm-hmm. So make sure, again, I think as, as, as uh, uh, parents, you need to have proper parameters within social medias to make sure you're aware of what your kids are having access to. I think that's very, very important. So that may not be the exact question, but I think as a parent, you have a responsibility to look out for any evils that can get to your kids in your home because of social media type stuff. And it's absolutely happening out there. So, you know, put the filters in, have the safeguards and so forth in there. But probably in a bigger uh, bigger context, you got the potential danger of things that can get to them, but you also have how it shapes how they think too, because they can become 
really very self-absorbed, mm-hmm. very insulated. And in some way, socially, you know, it slows them down a little bit because they're mm-hmm. living in this fantasy world or, or cyber world versus they, they don't know how to interact. That's why we try to teach people skills. Exactly. People can go on interviews. They've never even, you know, know how to respond to questions sometimes. You right. know what I'm saying? Because they're not interacting that way. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to be careful about that. And I think you need to limit your kids on how much social media had they have access. And I think you reinforce that. Like one of the things I would recommend to every parent, you have meals together, you you do not. When my wife and I have a meal together, now she may dispute this a little bit, all right? But <laughs> normally I'm not going to look at my phone. And a lot of times we'll observe other people. I still take my wife out on a date, even though we've been married for four years, we date every week. But I'm not, if I'm check my phone, I'm gonna say, babe, my phone keeps texting. Can I check it real quick? Just make sure there's not something going on. Right. You know, cause I wanna focus in on her. So I would just say as a rule, parents have meals with your kids and there's no electronics going on, no television, no internet at all. And you're asking them questions. You're getting to know them and your kids will start looking forward to that kind mm. of deal. Will they? The, they, they will in time. <laughs> if it's meaningful and sincere and genuine, they'll yeah. start doing that kind of time. That's man, they get some great time with mom and dad. They really do want your attention. They do. You know, so just make that a priority. When my kids were growing up, now we didn't have the competition that's out there today, but it was no way we're watching. The television will not be on mm-hmm. while we have meals. We're going to have dinner together five, six nights a week. And there's going to be no electronics that are going on. We're going to have family time. Mm-hmm. And that was really a way for me to mull and pour in character stuff. Mm-hmm. How would you deal with situations, things that you're running into, questions you want to ask that's going on. If they're having some issues at school with being bullied or trouble in school, you get to find that out at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. So again, you've got to set... Your, what are your priorities in your family? And you got to say, if time with your kids is important, you got to make time for that. Yeah. So if not, you may you may be hanging out with them, but you're not engaging with them because they're checked out on their you know reading something or playing with some game or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So how do we find your books and how do we find your curriculum? So the, probably the best way is go to questofthekeys.org, quest of the keys, not for but questofthekeys.org. And you can find, you know, you can tons and tons of resources that you can find there. If you're interested in getting into your school, you want it for, you know, some of the curriculum for your home, you can you can uh, let us know there and we can get in touch with you. Uh, if you want to just go to Amazon and you can uh, buy the book, uh, you can get the audio version of the book. By the way, you got to play a little clip of that, which is very well done, if I can say that. Yeah, so all is. the voices, we interviewed a number of people. He's one of the top guys out there on doing it. So it's very well done. And I would encourage you know, even with your kids, that may be something. Listen to the audio book with them. Mm. Stop and pause. Got it, it, it. Each chapter has got discussion questions with your kids. Would be a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. So you can use the audio version and buy a book, and then you got the book and the audio version that you can do. But you can get both of those at Amazon. So you can go to Amazon and buy you know paperback copy book, and you can also get the audio uh, copy book as well. Or you can go to questofthekeys.org and that'll go directly through our publisher that will ship a book to you through just our website. Okay. And is Guardians of Light also on Quest of the Keys? It's on, we only limit that at uh, questofthekeys.org. You can get a copy of Guardians of Light. That is not available on Amazon. Okay. Gotcha. Is yeah. there also an audio book of uh, Guardians it, it of Light? It is not. Not yet? Not, not yet. yet. Not, not yet. Not there yet. you go. Not yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did want to mention a couple of other um, character re- development resources. Um, Meaningful Mom had some questions that you can ask daily to your kids to inspire character development. You actually mentioned some questions that you can um, to, can ask your kids, but she had a whole long list that I loved um, 
on her website. So we'll we'll have these resources resources on our website so you guys can get to them. But also Common Sense Media has a list of TV shows and movies that promote and teach character traits. And then also Scholastic has a list of 100 books that build character characterized by the trait. So I thought that those were some really great things. And again, we'll have those on schooldaysshow.com. So unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you so much. Has this much. been an hour? This is like it's been 10 minutes. I know. I know. A great interview. Thank you. <laughs> it, it's when you're having fun. But yeah, no, thank you so much for coming. I oh, really I appreciate you, you spending your time with us. Thank you, Danita. Yeah. So School Days is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. So we always want to let you guys know what's happening with Noggin. Our mission is to help close the achievement gap for economically disadvantaged children by improving educational opportunities for students, supporting families and encouraging excellence and innovation in the classroom. School Days is part of our commitment to support families by providing access to experts who offer information and resources regarding all topics that impact education. If you love this program, please consider donating to Noggin. Your gift will be taxed as taxed tax deductible. <laughs> um, so head to our website, schooldayshow.com to give today. And also we're taking applications for our free tutoring program. Each student receives 12 in-home private sessions with a teacher. We also offer online tutoring if you don't happen to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Students must qualify for the free and reduced lunch program at their school. Space is limited, but for more information, head to our website, nogginfoundation.org, that's N-O-G-G-I-N foundation.org, and click on the free tutoring icon. Next week, I will sit down with Dr. Stephanie Al Oteba, who is professor of teacher and learning, teaching and learning at Southern Methodist University and the editor of the Journal of Learning Disabilities. She will give us an overview of learning disabilities such as dyslexia and dysgraphia and dyscalculia and what to look for if you suspect your child has one and how to advocate for your child to get the help that he or she needs. So don't forget to share that with your parent friends. As always, head to our website, schooldaysshow.com for more information. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and pretty much everywhere that you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. Again, that's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least, we always want to end our show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you want to know more about that, please feel free to email me at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.